0: I'm excited to be here with you. I mean, where else would I be? But you're probably wondering where my husband is. Pastor Joel is in Mulhurst today, if you haven't been there. There's a fantastic church, fantastic couple, Pastor Lauren and Wendy Gansky, and he's preaching there this Sunday. So hello, I'm here with you, and it was an honor. And I always preach out of obedience, first of all, to the Lord when he ask me, and second of all, in obedience to my husband. So here I am. <laughs> You know, it's always fun, though, um, to preach when Joel's not here so that I can really brag on him. So let me just do that for one minute. You guys, can I have one minute of just letting you know how incredible your pastor is? Because this man, here's, here's the one reason why I think he's just fantastic, is the Joel that you see here preaching or on the stage or wherever you see him is the exact same Joel that you see at home. He is a man of integrity, and he lo- lives out his passion for the Lord literally everywhere he goes, like Walmart seems to frequent that place, <laughs> Sport Check, our house, the church, wherever he is, he's the same, and so he's incredible, and you guys are really blessed to have him, just so you know. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? I get to continue the series that Pastor Joel has been working on. I knew when we decided on this series like months ago that I was going to preach a Sunday because different living from another realm, is that not the words that we need for the day that we live in? Yeah. We need to know how to live. You and I were chosen to live in this era. And you know, um, there might be a different era that you'd rather be in. I got introduced to Downton Abbey a couple years ago. I'm like, that might have been a fun era to live in. Or actually, the era, probably in the 50s, with the like cute little poodle skirts and the, the fun music with the really good lyrics and the tame lyrics. I'm like, that would have been fun. And I've actually even complained to Joel before that why do we have to live in these days? And he's like, what? We get to live in these days. You and I were actually chosen to live in these times. Though they may be dark, these times are so bright for the children of God and we are so excited to see what he's going to do. But man, we got to learn how to actually live in this day, right? Because we are not called to live in this natural world. And Pastor Joel started all his messages by letting us know that you and I are in this world, but we're not of this world. And yeah, that you could look at like, yeah, the, the, this actual world, but we're meaning the world's system, like the world's way of thinking, the world's way of doing things. That's not where you and I are meant to live. So we're going to look at a couple of scriptures on that today, and then we're going to look, because I love being practical, going to look a little bit about how can we actually do that? How can we live from this realm, God's realm, consistently in our lives? So going to start in Colossians 1, verse 13. We preach a lot from the Passion um, just because it brings out the words so clearly. It says, He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us or transferred us into the kingdom realm of his dear son. You and I do not live in the natural anymore. We've been transferred out of this world into the kingdom of God's dear son. When you look at Ephesians 2, verse 6, I'm going to read it in the Amplified, but this is such such a powerful verse. I know some of you know this and you've been taught to live there. You know, sometimes I need a reminder. Maybe some of you have never even heard this verse before, but this is a verse that when you wake up in the morning in your natural bed and you wake up... With all the natural feels, like I am not at all a morning person. In fact, since we've had kids, I learned I'm not, it's not that I'm not a morning person, even. I'm not a morning parent. <laughs> I asked y'all recently, like, can you be morning parents? And I will literally do from nine till like eight at night, but I'm not morning person. So when you wake up in your natural world, you should read these verses. It's called clocking it in, it's called taking your place. In Ephesians 2.6, it says that he or God has raised us up together with him when we believed and seated us with him in heavenly places because we're in Christ Jesus. So we're not in this world. We're not supposed to think like this world. But my goodness, you have to do it on purpose. You have to make this change to live from a different realm on purpose. Because honestly, you could become a Christian And you could spend from now until the day you go home to be with the Lord just living naturally, thinking naturally, seeing naturally. You know, your life would be fine. Are you going to go to heaven? Absolutely. Like, are you going to have a pretty good life? Maybe. But are you going to have the life that he has for you? Are you going to get the God kind of results that you see in the Bible? And you know what, church? Even more importantly... Are you going to reach the people that he's called you and I to reach? If we're living this low-level sight thinking in the natural world, just like the world, why on earth would they want to be like us? I could say they'd be like, hey, I sleep in on a Sunday, and I got the same life as you. Like, why would I want to come to church with you, right? So we want to live from this other realm. Um, this is a couple of things Pastor Joel has been teaching us on these realms in the natural realm, we're limited to sense knowledge, to reason, to what we see. And you know what? Satan is actually the god of this realm. You and I don't want to be a part of that thinking, right? Like, it's, it's yucky. It's gross. It's, that's where greed lives. Frustration, disappointment, depression, all those things live in that realm. We don't want to live from there. Instead, the kingdom of God operates from what's true, It operates from the way that God sees things. It operates from revelation knowledge. Have you guys been getting a lot over the last couple weeks on revelation knowledge? Man, I loved actually the quote, um, we don't need more dedication in our life. We need more revelation knowledge. When we decide we're going to live from this realm, the realm that God lives in, the realm that you and I were actually made for, the revelation knowledge that comes through, man. And when you see it, like when he shows you something, when he reveals something to you, you're never going to want to go back down to this low level of thinking. So you know what? If you weren't convinced before from all of Joel's past couple weeks about why you want to live from God's realm, let me convince you with this. Jesus paid too high of a price for me and you to live in just this natural, strife-filled, confusion-filled, natural way of thinking. He paid with his blood. He paid with his body for us to live higher. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how we can do that today. If you want to take a look at Romans 12, verse 2. Um, this one's going to be in the Passion again. Again, it's impossible to live out God's plan for us just living in the natural. Just thinking naturally. Just, hey, whatever I see in my bank account, I guess that's what I'm limited to. Or, hey, what I feel, this is a big one, what I feel like doing, that's what I'm going to do. If the world looks dark, I guess it's dark. That's living from this realm. We don't want to live there. And in Romans 12, verse 2, it tells us how to get out of that. And it says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Or another way in this, it says, don't be squeezed into the world's way of thinking but instead be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation or a total transformation of how you and I think. This, doing that, will empower us to discern God's will and live a beautiful life. I love those words. Live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Is that not what we all want? Right? Jesus paid such a price to free me from living in Satan's realm, from, to free me from living in the way that he wants us to live, low-level living down here. I don't want to live like that. I want to have this. I want to have a beautiful life, satisfying, perfect, in his eyes. And we can have that, church. Like, you don't have to read scriptures in here and say, well, that's nice. <laughs> Wish I could have that. No, he actually even gives us the steps. He says, let your mind be transformed by this word, and hey, that's how you're going to start living. It's beautiful. So I do want to do a really quick lesson on spirit, soul, and body. And you know what? Here is where I give a plug for what is happening downstairs right now. You guys might have kids, might not. Maybe you've got grandkids that attend here. Maybe you just like kids. I just want you to know what happens in our kids' church is they are actually being given The word of God right now in bite-sized pieces. We have taught, Joel and I were kids pastors for, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine years before we became the lead pastors here. Man, being able to teach kids that they are a soul or a spirit, they're a spirit being, and they have a soul, your mind, your will, and emotions, but you live in this physical body. Do you know what a game changer that is to learn as a three, four, five, six-year-old? I wish I knew it at that age. But if you're sitting here today and you're like, what are you talking about? I'm learning it now and I'm 42. Don't worry. I'm going to do a really quick little lesson on that. Um, Just, you can read the Bible and you can be really frustrated. Let's just be honest. If you read this Bible and think, I became a Christian and I don't see any of those things in my life. Do you know where you'll see it? Like, do you know where this is true? It's true of your spirit. Right? When you got born again, you got changed on the inside. So your spirit looks like God, wants to act like God, got the same nature of God. How amazing. Do you know that it, you could live your life and never actually see any of those results if we don't get that truth into our soul, into our thinking, into our emotions, right? That's, um, you know, one way to put it is um, that your soul is like the valve, The more that you let your thoughts be changed by this word, the valve turns, and it allows those things out. It allows God's realities out. Everything that's true in your spirit, my goodness, it wants to get out, right? It wants to get out and produce, but we've got to change our thinking to align with the way that God does it, and that's why you and I, we come to church, and we hear what the pastor's been told to preach, and we change our thinking. It's why you and I read our Bibles. It's not to check off something on a list. It's, hey, you know what? Every day we're surrounded in this natural realm. Remember? We're not from it. We're not of it, but we live in it, Right When I think about what our youth deal with nowadays when they're on social media constantly or have ads bombarding them constantly, they are constantly told everything that goes against God's way of thinking. You and I, you wake up and you're in the world for 20 minutes and you're being bombarded with things that tell you how you're supposed to live. And it's not the truth, church. It's not the realm we're supposed to live from. So we've got to let our thoughts Be so changed by this world that we, you know, we can see those things and be like, nah, that's not the way that I'm supposed to live. Even to the point where you're not affected by them anymore. Isn't that incredible? Does anyone want to go back and redo 2020? Maybe not. But I wish I could go back. And every time the devil tempted me to like just get off God's path for me because I was frustrated or I was annoyed at decisions that were going to be made, I wish I could go back and redo that. The time that we wasted, church, because the devil wanted to get us in this natural realm, this low-level way of thinking. Man, the more you get to know this word, the quicker you can catch yourself, right? The quicker you hear the Holy Spirit and you say, "Uh -uh, uh uh-uh, 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 that's not how we're living, right? Over here, get aligned, right? So again, you are a spirit, yeah. Can I just tell you, this woman is placed here today just to give me high fives, I asked her, Cheryl, can you just sit where I can see you? such an encouragement in my life. But Cheryl got it right. Good job. We are a spirit. We have a soul, your mind, your will, emotions, and you live in a... Yes, and you all dressed your bodies so wonderfully to be here today. Thank you. (laughs) Let me show you these verses on how that operates. God showed me these in the Passion while I was studying for this message and it might la- look weird because I'm literally going to read every second verse. <laughs> I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 2 to you, verse 10, 12, and 14. There's a reason. It's just, it, they're wordy verses. And I didn't want to waste all our time on wordy verses. But I really got to show you these things. So in verse 10, it says, "...but God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit." Okay, so God r- reveals to you how to live from his realm. He reveals it to your spirit, from his spirit. He's not going to show you a sign out here. The government's not going to make decisions that you're like, well, f- yeah, that's that's great. Now I can live by that. You're not going to read it in the newspaper. You're probably not going to learn it from your granny. He's going to reveal it to your spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his innermost heart, and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit, who constantly explores all things. Now skip to verse 12. For we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God. This is why. Hear this, church. So that we may come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. God gave us his spirit because he's like, hey, this is a spiritual realm, you guys. We are not natural people. We are a spirit And here he said, you know what, you spirit beings, I'm going to send you to this natural realm for this season. But you're not supposed to look like them, live like them, think like them, make money decisions like them, make child raising decisions like them. Don't do that. Instead, get my heart from the spirit. Let my spirit speak to your spirit so that you can come to understand and experience all that I have for you, all that grace wants to lavish upon you. I love that. Then skip to verse 14. This is the last one. Someone living on an entirely human or natural level rejects or has no access to revelations of God's spirit. For they make no sense to him. Have you ever read your Bible and it doesn't make sense? Yes. I've done that so many times. We all do that, especially when we're newer Christians. You read it and you're like, oh, this sounds really good, but it doesn't make sense. Well, to your natural thinking, it's not going to make sense. You know, when some of your friends find out that you guys are tithers, they're just like mind blown. You take some of your money and you give it to God. How? And we're just like, absolutely. Like, that's, that's how I live. Right? It doesn't make sense to the natural mind. So we've got to let God take this word, reveal it to our spirit. He cannot come into your home open up your Bible, take you by the hand and say, here, we actually have to do it ourselves. We have to get into this word and let the Spirit show it to us. They make no sense to the natural man. He can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they're only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. I love how these verses show. We don't have access to God's results or God's realities in the natural realm. But thank God we do through the realm he called us live in, this spiritual realm. So we're going to talk about how do we actually live in this realm, not just once in a while, but I want to get there consistently. I'm going to share a couple of words that God put on my heart for this message in a little bit, but very strong words for us as a church because time is short. So how are we going to learn to live consistently from this realm? I've got a big question from the Lord for you, all right? This is how he put it to me. I wrote it in my notes with tons of red. These verse, these words are huge in my notes. It says, here's the question he has. What do you see? What do you see? This is where Julian came in. He was, he was looking at my notes on Friday. I know he was. He's like, oh yeah, I'm going to take that verse and I'm going to do it in that same translation because it's going to be good. What do you see? Because to be honest, most people are obsessed. I'm going to use a really strong word, obsessed with what they see. You know what? It's not even just people. It's not, oh yeah, people in the world, they don't know God. No, most Christians, (laughs) most Christians are obsessed with what they see. What does that mean? I mean, they look like this. Your life is based on whatever you see right in front of you. You feel sick, you are sick. You see in your bank account, I don't think that there's money to give, so I don't give. I feel mad, so I'm going to act out in anger. Someone told me bad news, so my day is wrecked. Someone was mean to me. Someone did this to me, or they didn't do this for me, right? Everything about how we see is going to affect how we act, is going to affect our life. If you and I are going to walk through our life like this, living in this natural realm, we're never going to reach the people God wants us to reach. It's just not going to work. So 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. Again, Julian read, but I can read it again, right? Unless anyone's memorized it since then. No? Okay. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. It tells us how we're supposed to see. Well, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. That means they're subject to change. They're subject to, you know, the enemy getting in and fiddling with stuff and changing things. They're temporary. But the things which are not seen, they're eternal. They're of God. They last forever. In the Passion, it says we don't focus our attention on what scene. And you know what? That is what I've been so guilty of this past year is my attention kept getting drawn from, hey, I check in in the morning. Lord, I'm seated with you in heavenly places. I know I'm in this world, but I'm going to live from here. And you know what? Five minutes into morning parenting, (laughs) I am pulled down to what I see. I'm like, these children are literally the best development plan you could ever get. (laughs) They cause you so much turmoil. I mean, so much growth. (laughs) And they really, they challenge me in this. What do you see? Do your natural circumstances dictate your life? What do you see? I want to read this. This is a paraphrase, the mirror paraphrase. And it says for this verse, well, we look not at the things the senses observe. So we don't look at the things that you can see, that you can taste, touch, smell. We don't look at the things that, you know, tickle your goosebumps and make you feel emotions. We don't look at those things. You know, someone chirps and says something bad about you. You don't look at those things. Instead, we look at the revelation of the unseen. It is unveiled in our understanding through the mirror revelation of the gospel of Christ. What do you see? Let me give you an example here. There is a principle that you will become what you behold. You're going to become what you look at. If you are constantly looking at anger and fighting and anger and fighting and it's brewing in your heart, it's stirring in your heart and you start speaking those words out loud, you will become that way. You become what you behold. So, hey, you want to work on your love walk? You want to learn to walk in the God kind of love? Well, then let's spend our time looking at the God kind of love. Even in Ephesians 5, God says, look at how I love you, and now go love like that, right? You become what you behold. You become what you've set your eyes on. So, I want to use healing as an example. What do you see? Do you see broken body? Do you see just doctor's reports after doctor's reports? You know, we've gotten quite comfortable, I feel like, maybe because we live in a first world country, we've gotten quite comfortable with, well, if I feel this way, I can just go, I can go to the walk-in clinic tomorrow and I can get this dealt with, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. But what I'm asking you is, do you focus constantly on the pain, on the hurt, on what's going on in your body? Or... Do you go and look at the unseen? You become what you behold. So if I'm looking for healing in my body, my goodness, I want my eyes on the healer. Not even, church, not even on the healing. First and foremost, my eyes need to be on the healer. And the healer is going to tell you. You know what he might tell you? Get to that doctor now. Get on that medication now. Or he may tell you, change that diet or this or that. I'm just using healing as an example. But the first and foremost thing is we don't want to sit here and see what we're feeling in our bodies. We want to have our eyes on that realm. What's true? The reality, right? Because to be honest, church, it's not true that you're sick. Because the way God sees you is the truth. What's true might, or what is fact might be that you're dealing with something in your body. We all all deal with fighting stuff in our bodies, but the truth is how God sees things. The eternal is how he sees it, right? So I'm asking you again, from the Lord, what do you see? And I want to give you a couple of examples of what we're going to do when what we see here doesn't line up with what God says. But the answer really to all this is that we're called to see like he sees. We're called to see what he sees and how he sees. And so I'm going to take you to 2 Corinthians 5 or 7. And this is a scripture about faith. And you know what? Some of you may have heard lots of faith scriptures and some of you may not. But I heard in my spirit, prepping for this message. You know, I actually hear this in my spirit all the time. It's not for this message. I think it's for me. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. It's almost like God answers questions that I that I have that I'm not even saying out loud, and he's answering me. Like, I'm like, how would that work? Okay, yeah, like how do I do that? Okay, and he's telling me, by faith. By faith. Like, how do you walk out forgiveness when you you feel like your heart got broken? How do you walk that out? You do it by faith, right? How do you walk out your life when you're dealing with broken relationships? You do it by faith. How do you raise kids in a generation that is literally telling them everything God says is not true? And if you believe it, then you know you're judgmental. How do you do that? You do it by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. That's our answer, church. We are called to see what God sees. So 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, it says, For we live by faith, not by what we see with our eyes. And you know what? Most of you can probably quote that. And a lot of Christians I know could quote that. And then a lot of people end it with the word but. Not this one, but like just B-U-T. But, and I know that I used to live that way because I was not fully convinced that the word of God was my final authority. Maybe I knew that the word of God is true. Yeah, of course, the word of God is true. But I hadn't yet decided that the word was how I was going to live my life. So I'd read this verse about my situation. So I get a situation in mind for you that seems impossible. I'm going to read this verse again. For we live by faith, not by what we see with our eyes. And a lot of people end with, but you don't know my situation. But my situation is harder than normal. But this is really hard. You know what? There's no but in there. I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified. It says, for we walk by faith, not by sight, living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's problems, I our lo- promises. Sorry, God doesn't have any problems. <laughs> that is this this natural realm. <laughs> we live our lives, or we make our decisions. You live your everyday life based on God's promises. Guys, this is faith. It's not complicated. It's not 22 steps to this and you must confess this and then this and you must do this. Yeah, there's some principles in the word, but living by faith, seeing what God sees, that's the only way you and I are going to get to live from this realm. Otherwise, we are stuck, church. We're stuck to literally this. This is how you and I look when we try to live in the natural. And and God's probably just sitting there like, what what are you doing? I made you live from up here. And we're just sitting here like this. And because we're not living by faith, we can only take these tiny little steps forward. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. The principle of faith is just this. It's just to see how God sees. See what he sees, church. It's not hard. See what he sees. And if you want to know, like, where do I find that? Well, it's right here. This is my Bible. Right here. You guys have one too. And if not, we can give you one. Right, Julian? Excellent. So let's take a look at Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. The principle of faith is to see what God sees. And this is just a verse to remind us that God sees differently than the natural realm. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways or your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And then some people or religious people teach, so too bad, I guess you just don't know what God's going to do. There are so many verses in the New Testament and we already read some that his spirit wants to reveal his heart. All God's trying to show us in these verses is, hey, my thoughts are up here. So I brought you up here. Isn't that incredible? Like, I don't want to live down here anymore. And that's why I feel there are a few strong things for us in this message that we're not actually, we're not, you're allowed to live in the natural. You're allowed to live in this low level of thinking. But man, the time that he called you to live in he knew that you would get your eyes up on him. He picked you. He picked you to live in the darkest times, knowing that you'd make that choice. Yep, God, I'm not going to live based on, on my thoughts. I'm going to live based on your thoughts. And I'm going to give you verse 11 as well because, man, it's, it's helpful. Because, again, we're supposed to see what God sees, but we're also supposed to say what God says. Right? So verse 11 tells us why. It says, So my word, or God's word, goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So when God's word goes out, it says it accomplishes what he sent it to do. It doesn't return void, it produces. So you and I, we want to see what God sees and we want to say what God says. And you know what? I can tell you from my um, personal Christian testimony, I feel like I didn't get the second part of that until I met Pastor John and in Ingrid Housing, and they really taught me faith from a different angle. You know, I knew we're supposed to see what God sees, but I didn't line up the speaking parts. And you know what? There were people in my life that, um, that I knew at that point that were like self-professed confession cops. Have you ever met any of them? Oh, don't say that. Don't say that. Like, so I, I kind of just threw it out. But when I met them and they taught me faith, like God shows faith in the Bible, man, we're, we have to. You can't miss that second part. You can't just see what God sees and then say whatever you want. You've got to see what he sees and say what he says. And man, wouldn't you want to? Because what God says has the power to come to pass. Not what, not what I say, right? I want to say what he says. What's the default? You can either say what God says or you can say what the natural world says. Who's the God of this natural world? Yeah, I don't want to say what he says. Right? I want to say what God says. So here's the urgency that I feel. You know, maybe you're applying this in some areas of your life Because we all work on different things at a different time, right? But the urgency in my spirit from the Lord was this. We must start living this way in every area. The time is short. We don't have the option to just coast or say, I know God says this, but it's time to tighten up our believing. And I hope that doesn't, I hope you hear that in love because I really felt like that's what the Lord said for Impact Life Church is it's time to tighten up our believing. And you know what? In that, I better add, it's time to tighten up our speaking. Man, God corrected me this past, you know, with, again, with 2020 and all the stuff that we all ran our mouths about. (laughs) Well, this is stupid, and this is stupid, and they shouldn't do this, and they should do this. You know what? God told me, Jamie, you need to shut your mouth. Ugh. I think we're kind of, all Christians could be like, yes, I repent, Lord. <laughs> Sorry about that. The urgency in our heart is to tighten up our believing, tighten up our speaking. So um, the last part of this message here, I just want to focus in on our um, father of our faith, Abraham, and just take some real examples practically for yours and my life. So I want to take a look at these verses. Romans chapter 4. While you're turning there, I know it's really kind of cute you can say oh if you're a woman like oh I know it's kind of cute um when I first I preached my first sermon when I was 18 and now I'm not 18 (laughs) (laughs) my birthday's coming up soon so I'm always in denial so when my birthday comes like let's just okay we're being honest right I can't be on the in the pulpit and lie (laughs) I'm turning 38 soon right Adam we with same birthday soon in denial about that too but I haven't said the words 37 yet, so I always get to my birthday, and I've been in such denial the whole year that it's just a schmozzle of things. So like when I turned 30, I didn't say 30 the entire year, so it hit me way harder when I turned 31. So anyways, I preached my first sermon when I was 18, and guess what I was on? Romans 4. It's so cool. And There's been um, numerous times in my life God has brought me back to these scriptures because it just brings out faith to me in such a, a practical way, and I love it. I've gleaned so much from this. My children, my babies are here on this earth because of Romans 4, and I can tell you about that after. So what do we do when we, we face things in this realm? You wake up to a phone call that this has happened. Your business is going under. Your spouse is leaving. This is going on with your kid. Your bank account is gone. What do you do when you face things in this realm that are not lining up with what... Okay, God, well, you said see what you see, and I see it, but I don't see it here. Let's take a look at that from Romans 4. I'm going to read these verses all together, and then we'll go back and unpack them. Starting in verse 17. This is what Scripture means when it says, I have made you, talking about Abraham, the father of many nations. He is our example and father. For in God's presence... He believed that God can raise the dead and call into being things that don't even exist yet. Against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. He took God at his word. And as a result, he became the father of many nations. God's declaration over him came to pass. Your descendants will be as many as there will be impossible to count. Verse 19, in spite of being nearly 100, when the promise of having a son was made, his faith was so strong that it could not be undermined by the fact that him and Sarah were incapable of conceiving a child. He never stopped believing God's promise, for he was made strong in his faith to father a child. And because he was mighty in faith and convinced that God had all the power needed to fulfill his promises, Abraham glorified God if you don't know the Abraham story, he was under it, he didn't have a kid. And God's like, no, you're, your descendants, you're going to have as many as the stars. And he's like, I don't see it. I don't see it. I'm not seeing it in the natural. I'm not seeing it. So you guys are probably not believing for a kid at 100. Um, I'm not going to when I turn 100. So get a different, um, get a picture in your mind right now of something impossible. Because really, all that is is a story of something that in the natural is impossible. Get a picture right now of maybe a relationship you want restored, maybe something going on in your heart, in your family, in your business, whatever it is, get a picture of something that you feel like, yeah, that's pretty impossible, naturally speaking. And I want to apply what Abraham did to it. So number one, first of what he did is he decided not to look at the natural. Okay, so we are supposed to see what God sees, right, and say what God says, So our very first decision is not the 12 steps of faith. Our very first decision is I am not going to pay attention to what I see in the natural. And can I tell you, we worked through a situation recently where literally it was waking me up in the night to look at the natural I was constantly, constantly, it's like it was chirping in my ear constantly. Look at the situation. The situation's bad. The situation's bad. The situation's bad. bad. And my eyes were getting constantly tempted to look at the natural. And so it's not easy, church. It's not. But it's so worth it. And he gives us the tools. But first of all, you've got to decide, I'm not looking at the natural. So, you know what? Maybe you've got a pain in your body. Okay, it's, it's talking to you constantly. Do you ignore it? No. But you decide, I'm not going to look at the natural. I'm going to look at it through the lens of faith. So here's what Abraham did. It even says it in verse 19. There's a translation called the God's Word translation, and it actually puts it this way. Through faith, he regarded the facts. So truth, God's truth, always trumps facts. Anything you and I can feel or see in this natural realm is just fact. It's not truth. Okay? And when we get those things confused, life is not good. Right? It is not the truth that you are depressed. But it may be a fact of what you're working through right now, okay? I'm working through some things in my body. I'm working through some things in my mind. And I, this is how I'm feeling. And that might be the fact of how you feel. But it's not the truth according to God. So that's why you have to let him lead you through that, right? So Abraham looked at the facts through the lens of faith, right? The fact that his natural circumstance was you're 100 and you don't have a kid, <laughs> He didn't let it just distract him. If you're going to live like this, you will never see the promise. Like if Abraham only lived looking at his and Sarah's natural situation, he would have never gotten to the promise. So you've got to decide that you're going to stop looking at the natural. So in our own example, I told you my babies are here because of Romans 4. It's because we learned this and we put it into practice. But I um, went to work one day and I started bleeding everywhere. I had no idea what was happening, and I realized um, a couple of days later, I had a miscarriage, and I didn't even know I was pregnant. So that was shocking, but we didn't know we were pregnant, and we thought, okay, well, this is the time, and that led us on to, and I know Joel's told this, but God's gotten on us for don't, don't not tell your testimony just because you feel like people have heard it. There's, there's something new you can always glean, and our testimony is that we tried and tried and tried. He'd probably throw a few more tries in there, <laughs> to get pregnant and in his words we did everything we could in the natural so we knew how things worked okay and there's just no babies coming we even um, went to fertility specialists and did all the things that that we were told to do just to be told there's nothing wrong with you just keep working at it right but here's the what I want to say about that side of our testimony is do you know what we decided not to look at the natural like it's hard because you know We're all adults here. Every 30 days, there might be something that shows you that you're not pregnant. But, hey, I didn't look at the natural anymore. Went to baby showers, made sure I showed up and blessed the mom and was excited for them. But nothing in my natural situation was changing. And you know what? It didn't matter because we weren't looking at the natural. But, church, we had to make that decision. It did not just automatically happen for us to like, oh, we're fine. We're just going to be excited. And no, we had to on purpose dig in, dig in, dig in, dug into the word, dug into the word, let God show us, right? And that's what I want to move on to here is number two is that you've got to see what God sees. It's not an option. You've got to see what he sees. And it's such... A beautiful thing that God doesn't make you come up with the picture on your own. I want to show you what he did for Abraham. So yeah, we look at Abraham. He's this mighty man of faith. Yeah, he made some amazing decisions in faith. And that's kind of why we're learning about him. But look what God did for him. If you look at Genesis chapter 15 in verse 5, this is what God did. The Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, look up in the sky. He took them out. He took them out of the tent. And he said, look up at all of this. Look at these stars. Count them if you can. That's how many descendants you're going to have. And Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. God actually said, Abraham, come here, come here, come here. You gotta get out of that tent. You gotta get out of that natural thinking. You gotta get out of that low level, whatever I see, whatever my parents saw. This is just my family. My family's depressed. My family's broke. My family doesn't have kids. That's that's where we live sometimes. And God says, No, I called you out of those things. I'm calling you right now, church, out of those things. Now come over here. And not only does they just say, like, get out of that. you don't have to think that way. He calls us out of those things. He calls us out of the depression. He calls us out of the negative thoughts of ourselves. And then he says, Look up. Let me show you a picture. Now, all of us in here, we all need different pictures. So he might say, Look out, look over, look at this. Like, here's what I've done for you. What Abraham needed. And what a lot of times we need is to get out of our situation and look up. And then God says, here's a picture. Let me literally show you. See the stars? Yes, God, I see the stars. You're going to have so many descendants, you won't even be able to count them. Man, God showed him a picture. And guys, that to me just shows God's heart. That's a father, right? To say, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here. Get out of that. Get out of that. Okay, now come. Look at this. That's the Father's heart for me and you. He wants to show us. He's not just saying, hey, church, you got to see how I see. He's saying, let me show you. Come here. Let me show you how to do this. So really, what he he needed was to see a picture of what God saw. He had to see it in here first before he actually was going to see it out there. Now, here's a a phrase that God's been um, teaching me. It says, you got to see it before you see it. Some of you have maybe studied Andrew Walmack before. He's got the best teaching on the power of the imagination, I find. Um, just a simple Texan man. So humble. We've met him in person, actually, one day in Colorado. Just incredible. Just wandering around the church before he preached, just looking at stuff. The man is like, apparently, he's, he's got so many people after him. He's got this gigantic ministry now, just setting people free. He's apparently called the most dangerous man in America because he's preaching the word of God. And he's learned just like, you know, how to just deal with criticism and how to just keep going. All because God first taught him this. That you have to see it in order to see it. You've got to see it on the inside of you first. You've got to see yourself leading worship in a room where people are falling under the power of God. You've got to see yourself going to work and sharing the love of God with people. You've got to see a restored relationship together. You've got to see yourself with the kids that you don't have or the spouse that you don't have. You've got to see your kids coming back to the Lord. You have got to see it in here before you're going to see it out here. And so I believe that God's challenging us, hey, come on, let's get our faith level up for that. And guess what? We're not on our own. He's going to do for me and you what he did for Abraham. He's going to show you a picture. I believe that. Abraham was just convinced because God showed him the picture. And when God shows you something, nothing in the natural can unconvince you, right? That's what happened with me with those babies. Like it, it was easy to get my eyes off the natural because God showed me the picture of me with my kids, right? He showed me you're going to be a mom, so just trust me and chill out, right? That's a word from the Lord for someone here. (laughs) Chill out. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you need him to show you a picture of? That's, why you have intimate time with the Lord, right? Ask him that this week. He's going to show you. So number three, number one was, again, get your eyes off the natural. Number two is see what God sees. And number three is say what God says only, right? No more buts. God told us, tighten up your believing, tighten up your speaking, because the days you're living in, you're going to need it. You know, you can get to that place, where everything that you speak comes to pass because you're only saying things that line up with him. You know what? And some of you have really got desires in your heart to minister to people. No, I'm not talking pulpit. I'm talking out in the world. You want to go and you want to lay hands on the sick and you want to pray over them and you want to see them recover. Is that some of the people in here? So then you have got to believe that when you speak and declare and tell a sickness to go, it goes. But you know what? If you're always running your mouth or you're always saying, yeah, I don't know, but uh, if our speaking is not tightened up, then we're not going to be able to do that. We've just got to tighten up and align ourselves with him. So saying what God says only. Here's um, another part from Genesis. But I want to read Genesis 17 real quick in verse 4. And it says, "Um, this is my covenant with you, Abraham. So this is God changing his name. So maybe you didn't know. Abraham got a name change. Says, This is my covenant with you. I'll make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. So, not only does God get him to come out, shows him a picture, then he changes his name. And this is what it means it will no longer be Abram. Instead, you'll be called Abraham, which means father of many nations. Isn't that incredible? So here's what happens. Every time Abraham introduces himself, every time Abraham thinks his name, every time Sarah calls him for dinner, he's hearing Abraham. He's hearing father of many nations. Isn't that incredible? You've got to, to hear, you've got to let God show you that picture. You've got to hear what he thinks about you, and then you've got to say the same thing this is what I love about Abraham is that he didn't get embarrassed. Like, people are like, hey, what's your name? Hi, I'm father of many nations, but I don't have kids yet, but they're coming. Like, he could have been embarrassed on that. He could have been, like, you know, made excuses for it. Or he could have just changed his name or gone by Abe or something, right? He wasn't embarrassed. In fact, every time he spoke it, faith rose up in him, right? I'm the father of, of many, many nations, His identity, his name was his bold confession of faith. I'm Abraham. Yes, I'm father of many nations. Doesn't matter what you see. You know what? I believe that God's going to speak some things to you personally in your alone time with Him where you're going to hear, You're my beloved. And you're going to start saying those things about yourself. You are the healed, you're whole, your mind is sound, you're free. You are the free. That's who you are. God's going to speak those things to you and the power is going to come when you take those words and you put them in your mouth and you say them about yourself. I believe that is where something drastically changed for Abraham is when God said, this is who you are. And he said, yes, God, that's who I am. And everyone said, ha ha, nothing's changed. And he's like, I don't care. This is who I am. His bold confession of faith. Now, here's the thing. Again, we got to see it. <clears throat> we got to see it here in order to see it here. But one thing that will help you see it is if you say it. And one thing that will help you say it is if you see it. Does that make sense? This is how God said it to me. you got to say it to see it, and you've got to see it to say it. Can you say that? No, it's too hard. <laughs> say it to see it and see it to say it, Right? You've got to see it in here and then say it out loud. Yes, I am patient and I'm kind. And I see myself having patient and kind interactions. See it, but don't miss step two. You've got to say it. And that's what Abraham did. Now, I want to just say it one quick thing because this statement helped me so much when I was like, well, why do we have to say it? Like, I was like, God knows. Like, why do I have to say it? And again, that I like I said, that was part of my testimony of learning how to walk by faith. You do have to say it. There is power released in your words. But I want to make sure everyone understands, you are not saying it to make it true. Okay? You're not that powerful. You're not saying it to make it true. You're saying it because it is true. Okay? This especially gets really sticky, I find, when people are believing God for healing. You're not saying, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Jesus. Kate, did I do it 20 times yet? Okay, is it done yet? You're not saying it to make it come to true, come to pass. That's not of God, okay? You're saying it because God already said it is true. And I, I don't want to live my life based on a lie. I want to align myself with what he says because it is true, okay? So I hope that that helps someone. It's aligning ourselves to the truth. So that was number three, saying what God says. And the fourth and final part of what we've learned from Abraham is that he was fully persuaded. He was fully persuaded, not just that God was able, but that God was willing to do something. He was fully persuaded of God's ability and God's will. In verse 21, um, chapter 4, verse 21 it had said that being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. And you know what? If you don't know the heart of your father God that well yet, if you don't know him as a tender father, you may think, yeah, God's all powerful, but he's not going to do it for me. So you may not be convinced yet of his will. And You know, a lot of that has to, be, has to do how you view yourself. If you don't view yourself as worthy, Then you're not gonna think he's gonna do it for you. And that's why all of this Abraham story works together, right? You gotta let God show you a picture of how precious you actually are. Then you'll be able to receive him saying, Yeah, this is my ability of what I wanna do for you, but also I wanna do it for you. I wanna set you free. I wanna heal your body. Church, are you seeing the goodness of God? Remember when I asked you, What are you seeing? That was my challenge. Like, if I'm going to have one takeaway for myself from this message, it's I want to see the goodness of God continually. The goodness of God is always going after me and you. It's always towards me and you, right? But if I'm seeing this, then I'm like, yeah, life has been pretty crappy. Like, life has been hard. This has been going on. Nope. No more. Tightening up my believing tightening up my speaking, and said, I'm like, yeah, the goodness of God is literally going after me, right? You know, there's a scripture that says the blessings of God overtake you, and there's been times of our life where because we've allowed God to be the Lord of our finances, where there's been a blessing that comes, and then you're like, but then another one comes, and you're like, what? And then another one comes, and we literally, Joel and I have said, like, you literally feel like you're, like, getting poo poo like, water shooting you in the face. The blessings of God are coming at you. And it's literally just, that's how good he is. But you got to see him that way. You got to be fully persuaded. And this is what Abraham did. He wore his confidence or his faith in God like an armor. He was fully persuaded. He wore his persuasion like he wore his daily clothes. God or here's here's how it worked. Abraham got so close to God. He spent time with the Lord, spent time hearing from the Lord, and he watched how God do it. Did it. God was persuaded, right? God was like, "Yeah, you're the father of many nations. That's a done deal. That's what I created you for." Abraham spent time around that kind of faith, and it rubbed off on Abraham, and he became fully persuaded. Here's the God kind of faith. This is how God operates. He calls things that be not as though they are. Because they may not be in this realm, but they are in this realm. That's the God kind of faith. So Abraham spends time with that, and he becomes like that. He was fully persuaded. Now this may be the part where we're missing it a lot of the time because that but word, that I see it in the word, or I know God wants me healed, but literally, we have got to take the leap. There, I have to tell you this, church, not to brag on me at all, because it was, it was God's supernatural ability in me, but when I decided I'm not even going to say one more time I don't I'm not pregnant yet. I don't have kids. I literally took those words out of my vocabulary. I was fully persuaded that I was going to be a mom. That was it. No one could talk me out of it. And I know you've all got testimonies about that as well. Maybe about a marriage being restored. You knew, you knew that marriage was going to be restored. You knew it. No one could talk you out of that. You can actually get that way and the world will think you're crazy. And guess what? 95% 95% of the Christians in your life will think you're a nut. And it's okay. To be honest, if you ever need a faith friend and you don't have any, come and talk to Joel and I and our team. Because you need faith friends in your life. When you are believing for healing for one of your children and people are like, uh, do you know like, what they're working through? You need faith friends to come alongside you and say, "I. what are you believing? Yeah, you're believing that? Then I'm believing that too. My goodness, I have a mother-in-law of all mother-in-laws. She's probably in the nursery right now with my baby. Now, you guys may be like a little jealous, like, well, my mother-in-law's not like that. Well, find someone else. You can find a friend. It doesn't have to be a mother-in-law. But that woman would find out, what are you guys standing for? I've seen her do it with all her five kids and then her (laughs) add-ons. That's just a really nice word for the people that married into the family. But she would say, what are you believing for? I believe that with you. I'm with you. I'm literally with you. Find that because you've got to get fully persuaded, church. You have to be. Now, while Abraham had every reason to doubt the promise, and maybe you do too. Maybe you've got every reason to doubt the promise you see in here. Don't do it. Abraham didn't hesitate for a moment, but it says he was empowered by faith confidence. He continued to communicate God's opinion and continued to see what God said and what he saw. Man, we got to be fully persuaded. So here's what I want to end with today. And, Wyatt, you can come on up. God literally wants the proof. If you're like, well, I don't know, God. I don't know if I can be fully persuaded. Like, prove it to me. He wants this to be your proof. If you see it in here, it is for you, church. And I'm challenging you. Like, this isn't a message of, like, hey, just keep doing what you're doing. No, it's a message that is a challenge, right? Because you're, you're going to get whatever the results you have right now are the results you're going to get, right? So if you want different results, we got to change what we're doing. Now, I got to say I want to live like this. Like, we're just every year I'm growing a little bit more a little bit more. Guys, don't let don't let the enemy put pressure on you that's like, yeah, you got a lot to fix. Yeah, you better, pff, if you got a lot to learn. Don't let him put that on you because God just wants you to take one step of faith and another step of faith. He's not asking you to be perfect. Don't let people put perfection on you. God has been speaking to me about that. Do not let people expect perfection out of you. It, just because you're a Christian, pff, we are literally just endeavoring to do our best. I can tell you, Joel and I are far from perfect, but we're obedient. God told us, lead this church. And we said, no, God, just, just, just Pastor John and Ingrid, just lead, let them, like, they're amazing. And he said, lead this church. And so we do. You've got the same thing in your life. Don't let people put that on you. Here's what God wants. I hear in my spirit, whatever you see in my word concerning your situation if you're bold enough to step out and trust me on it, to say what you believe, I will back you on what you say. You hear that? He said, if you're bold enough. So whatever you see in here, he said, yeah, church, you step out on it, I will be right there making it come to pass. Isn't that good? He will back you. I, I know there's literally some people, this is, This is a pastoral heart, but I'm going to say it's more like a pastoral shove. I wish, now God doesn't operate this way, so I'm not allowed, but I wish that I could just push some of you over the edge. Because you're right there. You want to believe God's so bad for something, but you're just not taking that step. Literally, you can be free from pornography addiction. Did you know that? You can be free from chronic illness. Did you know that? You can be free from worry. Christians think that they get badges for worrying. It's a sin. You can be free. And some of you are like, oh, I'm just right there. And I just want to shove you off. <laughs> but I won't. This is a quote about that um, friends of ours, um, Pastor Jeremy and Sarah Pearson, they have this written huge in their um, location, and just imagine it written across the room here. It says, God delights in his children stepping out over the aching void with nothing under their feet but the Word of God. You know, if you're right here And literally all you have is God's word and you're ready to step out. Do you know he is like right here like, do it, do it, do it. Come on, come on, come on. He delights, he loves when literally all we've got is this word. And church, yeah, it may seem like, whoa, that's a big step. But can I tell you, it's the most freeing way to live. I have never for one minute worried about finances. Not even one minute Oh, is it because I came from a millionaire family? No. Guess what? My dad was the youngest millionaire in Canada at his age, and he lost every penny (laughs) before I was born. So no, I didn't get to experience any of that. But I have never worried about finances because when I was 15, I learned about tithing and I put it into practice and I said, God, be Lord of my finances because I'm not sure. And I'd have met a man who said, let's let God be the Lord of our finances. And so we together let God be the Lord of our finances. And it's the most freeing way to live, to live literally like this. God, Joel, not God, but Joel, you know, God, then Joel. Joel tells our kids all the time, Enjoy your house, but if God tells us to give it away, we give it away. Enjoy the minivan. (laughs) Just kidding. He has never, ever said that. (laughs) No one wants my minivan. (laughs) But really, you're just a distribution center. It's all there. But I'm just encouraging you, live like that. Take that leap over because it's the most freeing way to live. Um, Again, I'm not... I listened to a lot of Sarah and Jeremy um, Pearsons recently. I encourage you to listen to them. But here's a quote right um, from Jeremy. And he said, people come to him like, your life looks so amazing. You're so fulfilled. Like, what is the secret? He's like, I will give you step one through a thousand. I believed. That's it. I believed. I believed God and had no other option. And this is what the word of God tells us. This is our last scripture here as we finish up. Hebrews 10, 23. Write it down. Take a look at it later. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Confession means to say the same thing, to agree with. So you're holding fast to saying the same thing as God because he who promised you, the God who promised you these things, is faithful to do it. It's not just that he has the ability. He's actually going to do it. So that is our encouragement, church, when, when I said we're going to tighten up our believing and tighten up our speaking. We're going to do this. We're going to hold fast to those things that we agree with in the word because we know he who promised is faithful. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? I just want to pray for a moment here. I want you to continue. We only have a few moments here, but I want you to continue this in your own time with the Lord at home. But let's just have a little moment here with him. Father, I thank you so much that you don't just tell us, believe your word. You actually show us what your word says. You show us a picture. You show us a glimpse. You show us how to view ourselves through your eyes. And so, Lord, I just ask you right now, Father, if there's someone who needs to see a picture from you right now, that you would show them. Or at the very least, that you would just show them a little glimpse so they can just press into that later. Show them how you see them. Because you see us righteous. You see us with a robe of righteousness. All those dirty rags, they're gone when we come into Jesus. That's how you see us right now, standing straight, standing tall, not crawling into your presence like we don't deserve it. So beautiful. You come and you put your arms around us and you put this robe on us. And you say you're clean and you're pure and you're whole and you're washed. I know that's how you want us to see ourselves, Lord, because that's how you see us. So show us, Lord. Show us pictures throughout this week as we choose to spend time with you, Lord. As we choose to put your word into practice. I thank you for it, Father. And I believe you, Lord. Thank you, Lord just pray over you, church, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding would just guard your minds and your hearts in Christ Jesus this week as you go out from here. Father, thank you for everyone here, and we bless them now in Jesus' name. Amen.